0: Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey guys, Todd Helms here with Wingman to uh, bring you episode number 54, 55, a little bit different look, and I'm sorry I can't remember which episode we're we're with, but it's the height of turkey season, a lot of my guests are out uh, doing turkey hunts and around the country and whatever it is that you know if they're filming or they're just hunting with family and friends or hunting for themselves. But um, I wanted to bring you, I wanted to take a moment and talk about some turkey tactic that I think used to be, it was how I learned to turkey hunt and now uh, I think a few guys are starting to get back to it as the ethics of turkey hunting start to come it could become a discussion point, point. and that that topic is killing turkeys without decoys. Uh, I know that um, there's a lot of debate in the turkey world about whether reaping is. It's obviously a legitimate method; it works very effectively. But if it's um, if it's sportsmanlike, if it's uh, if it's the right way to to be killing turkeys um, and to hunt turkeys. Um, obviously we know that reaping can be very dangerous hunting with decoys in general can be dangerous in certain scenarios in the spring turkey woods Um, for example public land in states like Wyoming where I live that allow um, turkey hunting with centerfire rifles reaping is not a good idea um, on public land or private land for that matter in states that allow uh, turkey hunting with centerfire rifles, for obvious reasons, you could very easily get uh, get shot, um, or, God forbid, worse. So that part of reaping has come into question. Is it safe? Uh, obviously, I think that there's some safety concerns with reaping turkeys, or even even decoying turkeys, for that matter. But I'm not going to get off in the weeds on the ethics for this reason um and that has to do with it's up to you if you feel like it's an ethical mode of harvest and you feel like that bird has every advantage then okay if you don't then don't do it that's the great thing about hunting and about being free americans that we can choose as long as we're operating within our legal bounds of harvest we can choose how we do that um Obviously, I think that if it, if it was ridiculously effective, reaping that is, I think state game agencies would be taking a look at whether or not it should be legal. Um, but we also have to police our own and with that comes that question of, if you, think you're, if you don't think that uh, it's an unfair advantage, you don't think it's a, an unethical method of harvest, then by all means. I personally have reaped turkeys in the past. Years and years and years ago, uh, before it ever became popular, we figured out pretty quick that if we hid behind a strutter decoy or a strutter mount out in an open field, it worked pretty effectively. And in fact, it worked incredibly effectively. I don't do it anymore Um, for various reasons the biggest being I don't think it's a safe way to hunt turkeys out here in the West because of the fact that you can legally hunt turkeys out here with a rifle with a centerfire rifle so I'm not gonna be laying behind a strutter decoy anytime soon out here that said we get into the broader idea of hunting with hunting turkeys with decoys in general whether that's a strutter decoy or a strutter with a hen or a pair of hens or Jake and a hen or whatever the combination might be. Um, I have found with these later later hunt dates that turkeys tend to be less responsive to decoys especially male turkey decoys. My strutter decoys don't work as effectively as they did when I can hunt birds on April 1st, when they're flocked up and still establishing dominance and pecking orders. By the 15th or 20th, when seasons are tending to open in my part of the country now, or parts of the country I hunt now, those birds have established that dominance and they are 100% in breeding mode. And so from my experience, they're quite reluctant to Come in and challenge a strutter decoy or a Jake D de- even a Jake decoy. One interesting thing that I've done with my Jake decoys in to simulate a Miriams, I cut the beard off of them because you look at a lot of two-year-old Miriams out here in Wyoming, Montana, the northern parts of the Rocky Mountain West, and even a two-year-old, this beard's going to be six, seven, eight inches max, sometimes shorter. Um, that's about the same size as the, Jake, as the beards that come on the Jake decoys from most manufacturers. And so I just take a pair of scissors and cut them off. If I leave anything, I leave a little stub, just, just enough that the bird can see it. Because I do I do think, I've seen it where I've had birds come commit, especially in pairs or threes, where you think, oh man, this, this pack of two-year-old birds or three-year-old birds, they're gonna storm this decoy, they're gonna smoke him, and they'll come in and they'll look at him from a little distance, and they'll see that beard or something else, and I, th- I honestly think that beard throws him off. I think they think that bird is more mature than he really is. Now, the strutter, the Jake decoy that I have is a you know half strut, or three-quarter strut Jake with a lay down, excuse me, with a lay down breeding hen. Should paint quite the picture. Cut that beard off, makes a difference um but as a general rule the strutter decoys and the jake decoys any male turkey decoy gets the boot in these as especially as the seasons get later and later in the season and progress um those hens are hitting the nests those gobblers are running hard looking for any receptive hen uh that hasn't been bred or isn't on a nest or maybe looking to rebreed and re-nest um, So, the hen decoy is probably the best choice if you're going to run a decoy. Honest to goodness, any more, especially in more wooded terrain, I've gone away from using decoys completely. Back to the roots of turkey hunting, if you will. And I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one that questions the effectiveness of decoys. Not that they don't work but do you need one? And my answer is no. You don't need decoys to kill turkeys. If, and I'm gonna go through those ifs, and I'm gonna walk you through how what I look for when I've I'm, when I'm left the decoy in the truck and I'm out running and gunning, hunting turkeys, going light, going fast, going far, which is a very, a very high reality, a very big reality, true reality out here in the Rocky Mountain West. Sometimes we gotta cover a lot of ground to find our birds. And the lighter you can be, the better, but I'm getting ahead of myself. If you wanna run decoys, great, more power to you. I still run decoys, but it's situational. I don't always think that they are the best thing to have. And if I do do decide to run a gun with a decoy, I'm usually doing it with a single hen decoy. Something that's fairly high profile, quite erect, that a bird, a gobbler, can see from a distance and hopefully commit to. But like I said, that's not the point. Anybody can throw out decoys and call a little bit and probably have birds respond and and commit to them. It is an art to call turkeys and commit, get them in tight, and get them killed with either archery or a shotgun. without decoys. It's how I started turkey hunting when I was a kid, years and years and years ago, and it's how, honestly, where we started way back when, you know, using whatever calls that we had, whether it be a wing bone call or an old box call or whatever the old boys used, they didn't have decoys. If they did, they were really crude and nowhere near the realism that we have today, and they still kill birds. So, why no decoys? That's probably the biggest question that I get when I, st- when I bring this topic up because quite honestly, when I start saying, when I say to people, you don't need a decoy to kill, kill turkeys, I ruffle some feathers and that's okay because if I can get somebody to think outside the box and maybe rethink the way they're doing things to be and still be effective, then great. I've added another tool to that person's um, turkey hunting toolbox. And that's the whole point of everything that we do here at Wingmen is not only to entertain you with podcasts and videos and a blog and all, these other, all this other media content that we produce, but to help you become a better turkey hunter, a better waterfowler, a better upland hunter. That is the point. And if I can help somebody leave the turkey decoy in the truck or in the scenario, sometimes you forget it. You don't have to to not hunt, go hunt. There's lots of ways to still get it done. And I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna walk you through what I look for in those scenarios. So, first question, why no decoys? Pretty simple for me, carrying a decoy around slows me down. Um, You're like, and I know what you're thinking. You guys that hunt the Midwest or hunt down South are thinking, Dude, seriously, those things weigh you know a couple pounds or a pound and a half at, mo- at most, and you can carry a whole bunch of them. Yeah, you can. And for guys that are hunting back there and only covering a mile and a half or two miles in a day or in a morning or an afternoon or evening of hunting, great. If you're hiking into a spot or walking in or riding an ATV or an e-bike or whatever it might be into a spot that's you can carry a lot of stuff, There's not a lot of uh, strenuous activity to get in there. Cool, great. A lot of the stuff that we hunt out here in the West, whether it be in, in the Black Hills of South Dakota or Wyoming or further in more of the Rocky Mountain front range like we have here, man, a lot of times we're hiking, it's more like elk hunting. We're hiking hours and hours and hours shot calling, trying to, trying to get a bird struck up, and we can cover miles in a day. Miles, eight, 10, 15 miles in a day if you're cruising the right country looking for birds. A decoy in that scenario, now one hen decoy, okay. Light, probably not a big deal, but I'm not carrying a bunch of them, and I'm definitely not carrying a strutter around in that mountainous terrain. It's not going to happen, even in that hilly terrain over in the Black Hills. I don't carry one anymore. If I know I'm going to be set up, you know, walk in, get set up, okay, different story. I might use one, but it slows you down, uh, makes you less mobile. And even you guys that are hunting the Midwest and the South, back East, um, you hunt some thick country. And you got to be honest with yourself. If you're running and gunning, you're probably, you're, that decoy is probably getting hung up in the brush occasionally, it's probably making noise that you don't necessarily need it to make. That's a big thing for me. Unless you're hunting with a stuffer, a mounted hen or a mounted, some sort of mounted turkey decoy, has real feathers, the plastic decoys and even foam decoys, they make noise when you're in the brush, when you, when you're carrying it around, walking and you hit it on some brush, it makes that unrealistic scraping sound. Um, Turkeys have phenomenal hearing. It's one of those, it's one of their senses that doesn't get played up enough, in my opinion. We all talk about their eyesight. Oh, they have such good eyesight, they have such good eyesight. Yeah, they do. They have phenomenal eyesight, but their hearing is exceptional as well. And they can pinpoint your exact location. Ask yourself this, how many times have you set up on a bird, and got a gobble, and you set up on him, and he gobbles very little, or if at all, again. And 45 minutes to an hour or longer later, all of a sudden, you might stand up to to leave. You think he's not coming, and he's right there. And he has walked exactly into where you were calling from. I got lucky last season in, up in Montana, and decided to wait out a bird that we struck up, and you've seen it on the latest turkey video that we've we've dropped, it was the jet boat hunt video. That bird, that gobbler I shot in that last spring uh, in Montana took over two hours to commit. Um, He was coming the entire time, really, really slowly. He gobbled one time and that was it. And I remember looking at Dan Picard, the, the guy that was running the camera, Dan was running the camera at that point, and I looked, I was like, what else do we have to do today? We've hit all of the public ground, this was the last piece of public ground that we were going to hit and other than bagging it in early afternoon and going home, I thought, let's just sit and hang out and see what happens. It took two hours for that bird to commit. The terrain was such that He had to come to within shooting range before he could see where the calling was coming from. I did have a hand decoy out, he never saw it. He came directly to my calling and never had a chance to see the decoy. He, He was head on with me and the decoy was off to my left in a little open space. And he never made a peep after he gobbled the first time, but he just happened to pop up over the ridge and he was looking right at me. He was 22, 21, 22 yards. There was a giant cottonwood tree that obviously two of us couldn't reach around. You can see it's kind of a double trunked tree. You can see it in the video. And the bird completely caught us unawares. We were ready, but we weren't like gun up and ready, camera on ready. The bird turned and walked behind that cottonwood tree. I didn't know if he was going to even come out the other side. He could turn. And just walk off the same way he came in and i would have never never had a shot at him when he went behind the tree it was go time i put the gun up dan got the camera up turned it on as the bird walked out the other side dan said i'm on him and you can see in the video i didn't give him a chance i shot him and probably could have waited looking at the looking at the video footage but in my head it was like this is now or never we have waited two hours plus on this bird and i'm gonna take the shot that i'm given very real hunting scenario um didn't make doesn't make for the best footage doesn't make for the best video because it happens really quick and it's not obviously racked in nice and tight but it was real and it was it was organic it was raw gritty that's how it happens in the woods and I was happy to be able to bring that to you guys but the point of that I'm trying to make is we covered a ton of ground that day sometimes i had the decoy sometimes i didn't when i did have the decoy it was getting caught in the brush because it was really thick in that river bottom it was making extra noise in giving us away i felt we try to be as quiet as we can possibly be um, whenever i'm moving around in the turkey woods i do not like to make noise i don't want them to know that i'm there um, if I'm carrying a bunch of decoys or even a single decoy, I feel like it's I'm just less stealthy. I can't I can't move as freely um, through rugged country, and it's just one more thing that I have to carry. And when you are when you're covering ground like we cover it out here, ounces equal pounds and pounds equal pain. Um, I know that maybe a foreign concept in the world of turkey hunting because we have a tendency to wear big vests, or a backpack full of stuff, right? Well, there's a, there's a minimalist approach to it as well that actually my brother and I started doing way back in our Michigan days, and he still employs it in Iowa, and I obviously use it out here, where maybe two calls, a box call or a pot call, and a mouth read, and a couple extra shotgun shells, done, face mask, gloves, camo, go. I love hunting turkeys that way Um, obviously the backpack gets the nod for because we have to layer out here you know a little harder to carry around the right layers and stay comfortable when you're out all day in the woods plus you need to carry some food and some water too when you're hunting like that like I said it's a lot like a big game hunt Um, a lot more like a big game hunt than a waterfowl hunt or a traditional turkey hunt in that sense But I think that you guys back east, down south, in the Midwest, I think you can look at some of these tactics and apply them to how you hunt back there. So, back to the question, why no decoys? They slow me down. They're noisy in the brush. They take time to set up when you're in a hurry, if you're going to set them up. Um, When I'm not running decoys, I, I have very little... If any chance of intimidating a gobbler, um, our Miriam's gobblers especially tend to be pretty passive um, during the breeding season. When obviously you can fire them up and you get them on a feedlot early. You know, on some of these early hunts where there's you know 200 birds, 150 birds in an, on a ranch or in a roost area, they come down and they're fighting and they're really aggressive then. And a strutter or a jake decoy works amazingly well. During the breeding season, like, we're sitting right at the last week in April right now, and our season's going to run till the end of May. Um, I'm not, probably not using a strutter. Um, I, we're headed to Montana for a turkey hunt tomorrow to film it, and I'm going to take a bunch of decoys, but I'm probably not going to use them. I may set them out first thing in the morning, depending on our our situation, but I'm looking for those birds to... Um, looking for their reaction. And if I get a reaction that is submissive, birds don't want to commit, decoys are going in the truck. And I'm not, probably not going to run one. So, loud, noisy, weigh it down. uh, Can intimidate gobblers. Even a hen decoy can get a gobbler hung up. I've had it work where I am hunting an open area and I put a single hen out where I know a bird can see it. And I'm working a bird, he's coming down this drainage, and I'm not, I might call to him just to get his attention, kind of get him headed, hey, I'm over here. Get a gobble, and he closes the distance to where he can see the decoy, and he can see the decoy from 150 yards away, and won't commit. Hangs up, doesn't strut, doesn't gobble, is looking at that decoy, and turns and feeds off. I've had that happen more than once with Miriam's. Um, Part of it is the gobbler's mood. Part of it is I honestly think if I would have not had a decoy there and set up better, I would have killed those birds. And I'm talking probably six, eight encounters over the last 10, 15 years, where uh, I didn't take that bird because he wouldn't commit. there was a decoy in play. Take the decoy out of play, and he's got to come and hunt me down. If I'm using the terrain right, using my woodsmanship skills, uh, that's that's a dead bird, (laughs) probably nine times out of 10. And I'm gonna walk you through those things. So we talked about why not. Now I'm gonna talk about what you need to do to be successful when you're not using a decoy can't rely on the visual, you've got to completely fool these birds with calling. Now first thing you're going to need is you've got to be a good caller. I'm not saying you have to be a championship on, on the stage caller but just any old turkey sounds probably aren't going to work especially as seasons progress and you get later in the year gobblers have heard it they've been shot at, they've been hunted, chased around They've committed to a setup with mediocre calling and gotten shot at or got or saw the picked it out. They're survivors. We all know this. So your calling has to be dialed. I have found that when I'm not using a decoy, once I get that bird's attention with cuts and yelps, whatever I am doing, getting fired up and get him coming, then I dial it back and I play coy. Um,. If that bird, if I feel like he's coming on a string and he's gobbling hard, pounding, thundering, I'm gonna keep talking to him. I'm gonna keep working him up until he stops responding. Or if he gobbles a couple times and goes quiet, I'm gonna tone my calling way, way, way down. And what I mean by that is I'm talking soft yelps, soft purrs, and I'm just gonna be easily scratching the leaves like I'm a hen turkey just feeding, feeding. very content, Little putts, little couple-note yelps, front-end yelps. Um, that's something that um, Bo Brooks, who I had a podcast just recently, talks about taking your calling to that next step. If you can figure out how to do that front yelp that he talks about, it adds so much more realism. It's like a two-note yelp, and it adds so much more realism to your yelp. There's a rasp to it that you just sound like a real hen. Practicing enough to get your hen calling, your your calling. So, you're like I said, you may not, you may not have the desire, or you may not, you may struggle to get to that competition level. That's okay. You don't need to be a competition caller to kill turkeys. And in this scenario, more is less. And I'm finding that more and more and more with turkeys, especially public land, heavily pressured turkeys. More is less. It seems like opening day, yeah, you can yelp one up. Yup, 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 just getting coming right in and no problem. As the season progresses and as time has gone on, these birds are getting called to more. They're getting hunted harder. And so your calling has to be adjusted. Your calling needs to become more realistic. It needs to become, in my opinion, what works for me, a little more subtle soft purrs, putts, clucks, soft yelps, just like a contented hen, feeding around, Um, scratching in the leaves, scratching in the the forest floor. You gotta be careful with that. When you think a bird might be really, might be close, you obviously don't wanna move. Um, And so if you got a bird, okay, for example, three years ago, Struck a bird on the way into a spot. He gobbled at the truck, the truck noise. I turned to the cameraman, was Luke Washington on that hunt, and I said, we're going to kill that gobbler this afternoon. He was kind of like, okay, it's his first turkey hunt ever. We went, we set up our tent, we got our our camp dialed, we changed our clothes. He was pretty close to where we were set up, so we just walked back down. I struck him up again, played that bird for the next hour and a half, and he, was, he never stopped gobbling, but he just wouldn't quite do it. He kept coming closer and closer and closer and closer. And finally, I knew where he was. In, he was in heavy cover and he was down in kind of a, a depression. I knew he couldn't see me. So I started scratching in the leaves. I quit calling. I just started scratching. And the next time we heard him, He sounded like he was right next to us, spitting and drumming. Gobbled one time from there and then stepped out and we killed him. Again, um, I had decoys, but I could have killed that bird without decoys. In fact, I think I would have had a closer shot and he would have committed better if I wouldn't have had decoys with me because he would have had to come look. So what do you need to be successful? Calling's gotta be on point. You gotta be reading the bird. Don't overcall. be subtle, sound like a real hen, make real hen sounds. Once you get that bird coming, read his temperature, read the room, right? If he's pounding away every time you call and he's coming, okay, keep doing it. If he isn't all that fired up, be coy. Be deceptive, be quiet, be shy. He'll come find you. If he, he heard you he knows you're there he will come find you it might take a while but he's gonna he's gonna come and look especially with no decoys your woodsmanship has to be dialed to 10. some of us some guys that spend a lot of time in the woods are great woodsmen some guys that spend a lot of time in the woods aren't they don't pay attention when they're out there they're they have, they're just there to hunt and that's okay. But doing yourself a favor and becoming a better woodsman, being better at reading terrain, at knowing how birds in your area relate to that terrain and move through it, those are huge, absolutely huge. When I strike a bird in a lot of the areas that we hunt, I'm very familiar with them. I've hunted them multiple times. I know where the birds tend to be at what, t- what parts of the day. In other words, I know their roosting areas. I know their strutting zones. I know kind of how they travel through the terrain because out here, out west, especially Miriam's birds can move a long ways in one day. They can move miles over the course of a day to, and then end up back at their roost. If you know these things, you can put yourself in position along a bird's path or in a high travel turkey area And with soft, easy calling, you could spend the better part of a day just sitting there. Soft, easy calling, you'll be amazed what happens. All of a sudden there'll be a bird gobbling, he's coming. I I really like um, terrain. I like looking at a piece of ground. Once I know how the birds are gonna move on it, or even if I don't, and I strike a bird, if I can figure out, how to put some terrain between me and myself and that gobbler. What I mean by that is a ridge, a knoll, a hill, a, a, a creek, bottom, something. not, not something that's going to make the bird hang up, but something that's going to conceal me from that bird until it's too late. He can hear me, but he knows where I am, and he can't see me until it's too late. Case in point, had an opportunity back when I was back when I was a school teacher to get out one evening uh, and do some turkey hunting during the week, and I literally I was wearing it was a, I think it was a Friday afternoon stuff because so I was wearing jeans and literally ran home, grabbed some stuff, put on some I think I put on some uh, some boots, threw on a camouflage hoodie. Grabbed a face mask, one call, gun shells, and took off. No decoy. There was a spot, honestly, it was kind of a reconnaissance mission, and I wanted to get in on and and figure out where these birds were roosting, where they were feeding, so I could hunt it later that weekend and go in and do like a full day or two sortie in there. And then long story short, I didn't need to, and... Got in there that evening, was walking down the road, scouting, and got into a large group of turkeys with several gobblers strutting, um, basically on their way to a roost. Uh, it wasn't late, late evening, but it was probably 5, thirty, five 5 o'clock, so a couple hours before dark. Birds are feeding and, and still strutting and gobbling. Birds were on a flat spot at the base of a really steep hill that had roost trees and roost area on it. They were strutting in this open meadow. No way I'm going to get closer unless I use the terrain. I don't have a decoy. Pretty open country. So I need to fool a gobbler into coming and looking for me and being close enough that when he pokes his head up to look, it's too late. And... There was the hill, a flat spot where the birds were, and then a steep, steep ravine with a little creek in the bottom of it. I was able to drop below that ridge and get right up underneath those turkeys to, I bet I was within 100 yards of them. Probably, probably closer, actually. I was probably within 60 or 70 yards of those birds. Again, I'm wearing blue jeans. This is a scouting mission, right? I don't have a lot of camouflage on. I was able to call. Every time I'd call, I'd get response, birds would gobble. One gobble kept, I can't see these turkeys. One gobble got closer and closer and closer and closer. I'm like thinking to myself, this bird's coming. So I got up next to a tree, big old ponderosa pine, hid my silhouette, hid my blue jeans, got ready to go got the gun up bird came from the left peeked over started to look and I could have taken that shot because he was 30 yards 35 yards I didn't take that shot because I didn't know what was behind him there could have been a whole bunch of other birds behind him and I could have killed him and others not gonna work with one turkey tag plus I don't know I don't know if there's a deer there, you know, there might have been, could have been another hunter there. For one of the first rules that we learn in hunter safety is know what lies behind your, beyond your target, right? I didn't know that. So I'm like, I need this bird to step down the hill. And so I have a backstop when I take a shot. And so I got a big tree between me and him. I just, with my foot, I just move my foot real lightly. Shh, in the pine duff. And his head turned, and you could see him. He looked, strutted, and he strutted his way down the hill. I think he came another four or five yards, and then he was below the top of the hill. I had a shot, and I, and I killed that gobbler. At that time, he was the biggest gobbler I had ever shot, uh, biggest Miriam's gobbler I had ever shot. Some people might call that a bushwhack. Um, I didn't jump out of the truck and shoot him. I didn't stalk him to get it to range. I called that bird in. He had to commit, he had to come look for me, but I used the terrain to my advantage. A lot of guys, a lot of guys would have set up 300 yards back and tried to get some, break something off that big group, and it probably wouldn't have worked. Probably would have been frustrated without decoys you need to use the topography. You need to be able to pull a bird just over a rise, again, being safe, but make him come look for you. I'm gonna set up, I get a bird and I know there's a ridge between me and him, I'm gonna set up on the downhill side of that ridge. So that bird's gotta come up and just over to peek and look. Now, some some are more abrupt than others. Um, In heavily timbered, Obviously, I think I think this works well in any kind of country. It works exceptionally well in open country because a lot of times in open country it's the only option you have to get close or for concealment. It may not be anything to sit against, like a big tree or you may just be like taking a knee next to some brush using that to break up your silhouette, your outline, being ready and that bird comes over Make sure your backstop's clear and you got a shot. You've used your calling to pull him in to come look for you. No decoy required for that. That is the art of deception. That is the art of calling turkeys. To me, that is, I didn't need the aid of a decoy. I relied on my woodsmanship, my wits, and my calling abilities as That's skill. That's, that is the art. Of turkey hunting and to me that type of a turkey hunt successful turkey hunt is the ultimate yeah that's the absolute ultimate when you can call in birds especially public land heavily pressured birds without a decoy you've given that bird you've, you've stacked the deck you've given a card back to that gobbler and stacked the deck even more in his favor than it already is and so when you're successful at that that's just cool that's a that's a feather in your cap as a turkey hunter. And a big key to it is those woodsmanship skills, knowing how those birds travel, using the terrain to your advantage, being quiet, being stealthy in the woods. Look before you walk. Use, let your eyes do the walking. Out West, let your binoculars do the walking. Always, always, always look before you go. Too many times guys are just walking through the woods, ripping off crow calls or yelps or whatever it might be, looking for a gobbler and they'll stumble right into them. Especially if they're locator calling with a turkey call. You can literally pull a bird, he'll be completely silent, walk around bend in a bend in a, in a road or on a trail and there's a gobbler coming right to you and you're nose to nose. Because he heard you, he just didn't respond and he's coming. Take your time. Don't get in a hurry. Take your time. Move through the country. uh, Drift like smoke through the woods. Easy. Call, listen, be patient. Patience kills birds. You don't need decoys to do that. Um, What about if you don't know your hunting area? You draw, like, okay, for example, tomorrow, We're leaving to go hunt a place in Montana. I've never been. I'm not going to have anything to go on other than what the the ranch manager is going to tell me. I usually see birds up here. Okay, we're, it's going to be fun. I'm really excited about the hunt, looking forward to it, but I'm not going to have the advantage of knowing the country, knowing the ground. So how can I get myself familiar with it? Back in the old days, Man, you'd have to look at like a topographical map and that'd be your best bet, right? In today's world, man, you can e-scout that. Uh, we do it all the time here at Eastman's on, with Big Game. We draw a tag and we're, go, we're going to go hunt an area that we've never been into. We'll pull up OnX, we'll pull up Google Earth, and we will pour over all of that. Onyx's new 3D layer Holy smokes, the new 3D view, you can literally get a a, literally a bird's eye view of the country before you go into it. So as you set foot into something, yeah, there's going to be differences. There's going to be subtle differences. Brush might be thicker. There might be more trees. There might be, um, you know, who knows? That's what, you know, nothing's as good as boots on the ground, right? But Onyx comes really, really close and using that onyx app uh, on your phone's great i like to use it before i go for e-scouting on a desktop computer or a laptop computer because i can the screen's big and i can zoom right in easier it just i feel like i have a better visual representation when i'm on that bigger screen and It's the same thing on your phone but it's just it's different manipulating it i saved using the phone the app for in the field um which you can do as well, and I'll get to in a minute. So what I'm going to do this evening, and I've been doing it, is I'm going to familiarize myself with that country, so I know. Oh man, there's a bird goblin up there. I, man, if I remember right, there's a draw. I pull up my honest hunt app in the field. Yep, actually there's a little pond in that. Um, he might be down by. He might be by that pond. That sounds about right. So I don't want to go all the way around that end of that ridge. That's showing it that Onyx is showing me, I'm going to stay just back, so I'm going to pull that bird out of that draw right or over the, over the toe ridge, right into my lap, without that e-scouting, without the Onyx hunt app, whether, like I said, on your phone, or on a mobile device, or on a computer, I'm not going to have a clue what's up in front of me if I've never been in that country before. We, are, we live in a time now when we have these tools at our disposal we have such huge advantage um, in the game. Now, granted, the bird's still got to commit. He's still got to cooperate. But those tools, like Onyx Hunt, they allow me to go into the field better prepared, more knowledgeable. And so I don't, I don't need my decoy. I'll leave that decoy in the truck carrying extra Bottle of water, or, I don't know, extra extra Snickers bars. For being really honest, <laughs> the point of it is, you don't need the decoys to be successful. There's other ways that you can trick birds and fool them. The benefits: no decoys, you can cover more ground more easily. You're quieter and more stealthy in the woods. It is the ultimate form of deception. It is the ultimate art form in turkey hunting. It is taking a bird without a decoy. Um, the, about the only way it gets better is if you call one in using a call that you made yourself. Even better. You're going to need good realistic calling. You're going to need good woodsmanship skills. The biggest thing I can tell you when it comes to woodcraft, woodsmanship skills, slow down. We live in a time where everything is so fast paced that when we get out in the woods, we have a tendency to to ram and jam and go too fast until we find our groove. I'm guilty of it just like the next person. I want to go. I want to run. I want to gun. I want to see what's over that next ridge. I want to find that bird. Slow down. Slow down. You're going to kill more birds if you take your time and exercise some patience know your area if you don't know your area and you can't manipulate um, a bird's movement by using the terrain features to your advantage from out of your head use your onyx hunt map or hunt app Um, you can do it on the fly like i said i like to pull it up on the computer before i go and pre-scout everything but i will drop waypoints while i'm pre-scouting on my screen and they will download into my phone they will sync with what's in my phone so i have stuff ready to go i have it the area saved i have it cached i have it dialed whatever it might be and i don't need cell service which is a problem in a lot of the parts of the country that we hunt turkeys in I don't have good cell service so i need to cache those maps in my app before i ever set foot up there so i know i i can pull it up look at it and go oh yeah, there's a draw up here that's where that bird is so i'm gonna i'm gonna approach it like this the point of all of this is hunt how you want. I'm not going to judge you for hunting birds with, with decoys. I'm not going to judge you for hunting bird, for reaping turkeys, unless it's in un, unless it's in an unsafe situation. And I'm going to question your, uh, your sanity for going after a, hunting in an unsafe scenario, but at the end of the day, we're all hunters. And we're brothers and sisters of the hunt and we need to act like it we need to have each other's backs no matter whether or not we agree with the method just because I don't personally reap turkeys doesn't mean you can't as long as it's legal and safe I don't have to agree with you to support your privilege your right to do that that line gets crossed when the method of take becomes unfair if reaping turkeys was so effective that we were hurting turkey numbers with it and it was like an unfair advantage I'd say yank it we all for make it get rid of it I don't think that's the case I don't think using decoys gives us an unfair advantage For me, if I can hunt turkeys without decoys, I'm going to. Just because I think there's more art to it. It's a more satisfying means of harvest for me. Maybe not for you. That doesn't mean, like I said, I will always go without decoys. I'm taking decoys with me on this hunt. And if we get in a situation where I'm like, yeah, we're going to put those decoys up, okay. Um, But if I'm out running and gunning, probably not gonna have a decoy. If you wanna try that, follow the steps that I've outlined here, and I think you're gonna find some success. If nothing else, level up your calling, level up your woodsmanship. It'll make your hunt more enjoyable, you'll get more out of it, and you're going to be a more effective turkey hunter with or without decoys. So hey guys, I really appreciate you joining me on this short solo podcast. I hope you learned something from this. I hope I was helpful. With this, if you've got questions, shoot, shoot us a message on social media or um, in the comments section on our YouTube channel. shoot us a comment, let us know um, what your questions are. If you have questions, I mean you just got a comment. you think I think I'm completely off base with all this stuff. let me know. I love to hear feedback. Um, that's the only way I can continue to get better and bring you the quality content that you deserve is through feedback. So, I appreciate you checking us out. While I got you here, make sure you check us out on Instagram, make sure you check us out on Facebook, YouTube, our blog, our website at www.wingmen.us. We've got all kinds of information. Uh, We've got an awesome weekly or monthly newsletter that goes out with some great content, stories, tips, tactics, recipes. We're constantly working hard to bring you great content, and I appreciate you joining me today for this. Until next time, we'll see you in the field.